Very familiar story, John chapter 4. Would you read with beginning verse 1? When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Father, speak to us for the next few minutes. Impress upon our hearts the importance of being willing to connect with people. Help us to be intentional for we know that there are people all around us who know nothing of the grace of God know nothing about the love of God in Christ Jesus for them help us never to forget as we were reminded by the song, help me to remember, Lord. Someone took time. Someone was intentional. Come to me. Come to us with the gospel of Jesus. Help us tonight as we draw some truths from this passage. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I asked a simple question uh, as I read the text, uh, why, why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? It's interesting because, remember, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the world. That was God's plan for the church to evangelize the world, beginning at Jerusalem. And we know the church began at Jerusalem. In the book of Acts, we read very, uh, very carefully the birth of the church and how the church began to expand. But from Jerusalem, uh, the persecution led the church to be scattered and went to Judea and Samaria. So chapter 1 through 12, if you divide the book of Acts, we see the expansion of the church from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Chapter 13 is a turning point. We go from Peter to Paul. We go from uh, uh, Judea, Samaria. Now we go to the uttermost part of the earth where Paul becomes a missionary and the church in Antioch sends them out to be the first missionaries. But in this passage, I want, I want, I want you to see a couple things with me this evening. You know, there was no need for Jesus to go through Samaria. He could have avoided it. It was obvious the Jews had an animosity towards Samaritans. They disdained them. They considered them half-breeds, considered them as untouchables. Almost as though Jews literally felt they were better than them. Can you imagine that? That someone to think, especially Jews who with the commonwealth of covenant, God's covenant people, would think that somebody else is lesser than them. 
And Jesus decided to go through Samaria, which was a, a no-no. They would take a extended route around to get back. But Jesus decided to go through Samaria. And I, I said, why? The Bible does not say that Jesus wanted to go through Samaria. It doesn't say that Jesus thought it might be a good idea to go through Samaria. The Bible says that Jesus must indeed go through Samaria. It was imperative that he would go through Samaria. So now why did he have to do that? The answer is simple. He didn't have to. Right? He didn't have to go through Samaria. Why would he go there? From what we just read in chapter 3, what has already transpired, to leave all that and go to Samaria... For one person. You see, the answer is simple and profound. Jesus went because he intended to meet a woman at the well. One individual. And in in the Jewish custom, the woman was not really considered to be any person of any importance. But then let's take it a step further to be a Samaritan woman. And then this woman, even being a Samaritan woman, was considered even of a bad reputation. And Jesus had in his mind, as his divinity is seen to us, that he is going to go to encounter this one woman. Someone said it so well. You have to go to Samaria if you want to reach Samaritans. I don't have time to read the rest of the story, but can you, can you picture in your mind the animosity the Jews had towards the Samaritans? They hated them. Call them dogs. They thought that they were better than them. Those half-breeds. They thought that God wanted them to be like this towards them. Wow. They thought by keeping themselves clean from touching these untouchables, the Samaritans, they will encounter favor from God. You know something? Samaritans thought exactly the same. They had animosity towards the Jews. They hated the Jews. As you follow that story, you begin to pick up on that. That this woman, the way she's responding to Jesus, man, there's an animosity here. So why? Why? Why did Jesus go through Samaria? I'll give you a few reasons tonight. Number one, because... Because there were people there with some seriously deep-rooted spiritual problems. They had a, they were, they were prejudicial people. It's hard to believe, isn't it? When I, when, when we talk about caste system in India, people say, well, of course, Indians, you all don't have prejudice issues, do you? (laughs) My soul. Though all of us have black hair, brown eyes, and dark skin, 
We have a deep-rooted animosity we call caste system. And anyone that does not belong to the caste, they're always disdained, looked down upon, and especially those who are on the bottom of the totem pole, the ones that are called the untouchables. They're literally hated. I remember when I was growing up as a boy and I lived with my grandmother and my grandmother would not allow us to come back in the house, me and my brothers, because we've been playing with these untouchables, kids out on the street. They were not of the same caste as we were. We were of some higher caste and these were of a lower caste and my grandmother would make us take our clothes off in the room and make us take a bath, put on a clean clothes before we enter the rest of the house. She would say, oh, you, you are, you are dirty. You are contaminated. And you can, you can feel the same feelings that these people have. They were prejudiced towards one another. There was a racial prejudice. There is religious prejudice. And the racial prejudice, remember when the woman said, why are you being a Jew asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? And then the religious prejudice would be, she says, Jews have nothing to do with us, Samaritans. And when I think about the climate where we are living now, no legislation can resolve prejud- prejud- issues of prejudice. It's the issue of the heart. Only Christ can resolve this issue. Only in Christ when we are born again and become brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the only answer there is. And one of the hardest things in the Indian church is when these people get saved from different caste systems, for them to sit in the same church and worship God rather than looking down upon one another. And then it gets even a little stronger when time of marriage comes. According to the caste system, you are not to marry anybody outside your caste. And so in the church, you teach them now you, <coughs> you are Christian. And you don't longer practice this, but your culture is constantly throwing this at you. It is one of the biggest tests for the New Testament church in India today. How to deal with caste system among the Christian community. But here you find this, uh, uh, this racial prejudice and religious prejudice. And then number two, these people were sinful people. Of course, by the way this woman lived, it's obvious that she, she, she had she had a lot of baggage. And isn't it wonderful how Jesus addressed the issue immediately? He said, hey, why don't you go get your husband? And I'm glad she was being honest, aren't you? That's one of the, one of the beautiful things when God convicts the person. The best thing we can do is be honest with God. And she was totally transparent. She said, look, I got no husbands. And that was the opening of her heart to, to the love of God in Christ Jesus. Christ began to reveal himself to her. Not only was she was sinful, but they were religious people. Imagine Samaritans. They had their own way of worship, as we read in the rest of the passage. 
This is where Jesus says God is looking for those who worship in spirit and truth. Remember, she was more interested in the place than a person. She was more interested in, hey, we are worshiping at this mount, this holy place. And Jesus had to take her from there to him. The last thing was, uh, one of the beautiful things about this story is, not only with all this problem they had, she was a willing, they were willing to listen to Christ. And when she finally, the light bulb comes on, she runs back to the village and begins to advertise. Say, hey, come, come see the man who told me everything I have ever done. Wow. What a testimony. What she came to do to collect water in the middle of the afternoon, she left that because that's not priority anymore. Priority, she's found the Messiah, found the Savior of her soul, and she went back to share. So Jesus went to Samaria for one individual, one woman. In, in, in religious economy, that is not much to invest in. You would think that's not a waste of time for Jesus. He could be out speaking to hundreds and thousands and doing bigger and greater things than going to Samaria and talking to this one insignificant woman. Well, aren't you glad? In God's eyes and God's mind, none are insignificant. They hold great deep value for whom Jesus is concerned. As we find in the Luke, he came to seek and to save the lost. That's his passion. And so let me close with this couple of thoughts very quickly. Number one, missionary work is always uncomfortable. Evangelism is always uncomfortable. It's just something we just don't do naturally. It goes against everything that is human we call natural, because it's a spiritual realm. Jesus entered into a very unnatural situation, being a Jew, talking to a Samaritan, being a man, talking to a woman, being holy, talking to someone that is totally unholy, unnatural. It's just uncomfortable. Sometimes God directs us or uses circumstances to compel us to go where we ordinarily would not Desire to go. Like Jesus, we can willingly obey, understanding that God's purpose must override our comfort. Secondly, not only is it uncomfortable, but it's also inconvenience. There is no easy way to reach the masses. There are no easy ways, there are no quick fixes in evangelism or missionary works. Not only uncomfortable inconvenience, but also, I believe, requires a deep conviction. I think Jesus knew through this one woman, many more can be reached. She would be a witness to her own, and through her witness, many will come to know him as their savior as we read the rest of the story. So may I say to us as a church, faith mission, ah, those three principles applies. Uncomfortable, inconvenience. But God is still working. 
God is still calling for churches like ours to rally together with those whom God has placed his hand to send them out to Samaria, to the uttermost part of the world, that we can partner with them, labor together with them, pray for them, support them, and do everything we can possibly can to make their mission endeavor fruitful. If it is in, inconvenient for us to pray or to give, think about them who are leaving the comfort of this church, this area, their own family and friends, and going to some other place like Vermont. Becky's brother left Vermont this morning to come see her today. He left at 2.30 in the morning. He said it was 50 degrees. He landed in Charlotte. It was 95 degrees. <laughs> It's not going to be easy. I love the story when David Livingston in Africa, when he was serving there, sending a message back to England, asking for more people to come to assist with the work in Africa. And the letters were sent back to him by several candidates. And they said, Mr. Livingston, is there a is there an easy way to get to where you are and to do what you're doing? And his response was very simple. He said, if you're looking for an easy way, don't come. There is no easy way. To reach Samaritans, we must do our part. Reach the untouchables, those who are outside of our realms of feelings, and things that we think, it is inconvenient. It is uncomfortable. But it requires deep conviction. I believe as a church, we must keep individually as a collectively deep conviction. Whatever it takes, dear Lord, I will do my part. And then to do everything to help our young men, young ladies who feel a tug from Jesus, they feel like God is calling them to go. Someone asked me the other day, it looks like, God's not calling me anymore. I said, no. God is always calling. I said, the problem is not on his side. The problem is on this side. We're not listening. May God help us as a church.